0: there's no problem that you and I could face that God don't already have an answer and a remedy for if we can just get him into the situation. And the best way to get him in the situation is let him fill you with his spirit. People talk about being filled with the Holy Ghost. What's the reason for it? Well, that's a pretty good reason right there outside of salvation, which is the most important. When God fills you with His Spirit, you speak with other tongues. What happens? Now, when you go back to that problem, you're not going back to it by yourself. You're going back to it with the Spirit of God to help you. He said, I'll be a light to you. I'll be a lamp. I'll lead you and guide you. Holy Ghost is just, one, is salvation. But number two, it's trying to give light to areas of your life. I feel that presence of God today God wants to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost and if you want the Holy Ghost God will give it to you all it takes is you and I repenting of our sins God will fill you with the Holy Ghost just like that if you want Sunday school you're dismissed today all our guests that are here today we're so glad we're so glad that you're here worship with us and be a part of service we've got many, many guests here today we're so thankful that you would come and be a part of service and our prayer is not that you just came and we appreciate the visit and get to meet you but our prayer is that it's not just you have a visit with us but you have a visit with the Lord that whatever it is you have need of, He shows Himself strong to you and helps you face the challenges you're facing. God cares about His people a lot. He loves His people. The enemy makes you and I believe that when we do things that are the unpardonable sins, that God just... Write you off no God don't do that he keeps working with us he keeps working with us and he keeps working with us can I get a witness from anybody that says he kept working with me and he never gave up on me when I gave up on myself God comes right in and says hold on I'm the final say not you get back up again because I've got something for you if you got your Bibles, Exodus chapter 16. I'm sorry, 17. <clears throat> Exodus 17. Exodus chapter 17. Let's start with verse 5. The Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people, take with thee of the elders of Israel thy rod. Wherefore thou smotest the river, take in thy hand, go. Behold, I'll stand before you in the rock, Horeb. And you'll smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders, and called the name Massa and Meribah, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us? I want you to put a little pen in that that statement. But now verse 8 is God's response. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men. Go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and her went up to the top of the hill. It came to pass, and when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Moses' hands were heavy. He took a stone, put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Ur stayed upon or up his hand, the one on the one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. and Rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Or discomfited there means to make weak. Joshua made him weak, but God was gonna be the one to get rid of him. I wanna to preach today, this, this scripture, this, this what I read is full and rich uh, with truths that you and I could pull out piece by piece. And I would encourage you to go back and read it after today's message again. I feel the Lord will share with you even more what, what's in here. But for sake of time and the message I feel today, from a very, very simple, simple thought, <clears throat> when potential meets purpose. When potential meets purpose. If you would, just lift your hands one more time. And ask God to help us today. Lord, prepare our hearts, prepare our spirit. Let it not just be another sermon, God. I'm asking you today, let it be a message from you to all of us to lead us, to guide us, to direct us in whatever way and will you have for us. God, I ask you today for a flow of your spirit from your word to our hearts. God, I ask you in Jesus' name today and I thank you by faith for what you will do. Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. I always, in in studying uh, scripture, my approach many times is trying to find one humanity in the scripture. How did God deal with the humanity element? Because. For me, it's you know, when you read the end of the book, Calvary already gave dominion back to, to the people, to the church, spiritual things. And, and that was conquered at Calvary. Satan has no authority. The enemy has no authority. We're not afraid of the devil, per se, spiritually. But I'll tell you, there's some other elements I'm afraid of myself. I'm afraid sometimes of the human component the damage it can do. I thank God for the good that it can do or the the benefits of that part. But when I look in Scripture, I try to see or try to find through prayer and study, God, how do you work with humanity with so many imperfections? How do you work with humanity? How do you deal with it? Well, we know that He gave remedy through, again, Calvary. Calvary not only conquered the principalities of the air, But yet he gave us a pattern of how to conquer flesh through death, burial, resurrection. And he gave us the antidote to that. How do I identify with the gospel? I repent of my sins. I'm baptized in Jesus' name and I receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And as a sign that I get it, I speak with other tongues. That's the gospel. And he said, for all of us to obey the gospel, it's a commandment. It's not an option. So that's my answer to how to deal with it. But it's still... Sometimes a question I have of the unique circumstances that you and I find. And one thing that bears witness so strong in scripture is, is God pays a lot of attention to the behaviors of humanity. He watches it closely and I feel very strongly can say that it goes all the way back to Genesis. Genesis. And when he created the garden, he wasn't just making a profitable garden to bear a bunch of vegetables, but it was a dwelling place for man and God to have together. It was always God's intention to walk with man, talk with man, interact with man. The enemy does a pretty good job, and I failed to, sorry to give him a compliment, but he does a good job in trying to make us believe that God don't want to have a relationship with us. And God, on the other hand, is doing everything in his power. Not that God is slack or God is weak compared to the attacks of the enemy. The weakness and the breakdown many times is in our humanity. It's in our own frailties, our own uh, things of humanity that struggles, our own, uh, I hate to say fears because that's acquired traits, or our own emotions that sometimes get all out of whack. That's our own acquired allowing of things to happen. But yet as a human being, as a creation of God, he intended to have a relationship with you and I. And these stories that I read here this morning paint a very clear picture of what God has for his people. He started with a covenant with his people. He made a covenant with them. When he decided to create man, he started with the first, the Adam's covenant. Uh, Here's what I'm asking of you. Here is what I'm demanding of you. Don't eat of this tree, but you can have all the other. Covenant was made. And from there covenant began to evolve and grow into more and more. And what God was trying to show them was I am the greater party of the covenant and all I need you to do is stick with me in the covenant. Stay with me. Stay obedient. Desire to want to be with me. I'm going to provide everything you need to succeed and be what you need to be in me because there's potential in you. And I've got a purpose out here and I need you to fulfill my purpose. So I need you to see the potential. I'm trying to pull the veil off of what the enemy's put on some of you telling you you're not good enough and you're not ever going to be good enough. I declare to you today, you've got the potential that God created you with. Don't let the enemy steal what he gave you. Now but my battle is between my two ears. And I don't care how much I grit my teeth and try to uh, be a strong man, we're weak. God planned it that way. He made you and I or allowed us to be weak for one reason, that when you're weak, you turn to him for your strength. You don't have to always hold it together like you think. You need to do it. There are times that we're gonna break down, brother Micah. There's times that we're gonna emotionally, mentally go through things. But this scripture here, you gotta see the beginning before you can see this. The children of Israel are just coming out of Egypt. I mean, they're not four chapters, and I use the number four or three chapters coming out of such the greatest miracle ever. Under the bondage of Pharaoh, A taskmaster, 300, 400 years he he lorded over them and exacted from them the the, the will to just want to live. And God saw fit to raise up a deliverer by the name of Moses that he would groom and prepare and begin to make ready to lead the people out. And God says, Moses, the time's come. I need you to go to Pharaoh's court and you declare to him, let my people go. I say here today in a very simple form, that message is still being declared over this congregation today. He's declaring it over this community. Let my people go. Let them go from addiction. Let them go from alcoholism. Let them go from the bondages of life that try to tear down homes and marriages and families. The declaration is the same. That might be 6,000 years old, but the word is still advantageous today. Let people go Amen. why Come on. why did God want them to be free what answer that they may worship him right, yeah. 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 you can't worship God when you're bound not in your creative order you can go through the motions and thank God for the lifting of a hand But if there's still bondages there, addiction still there, alcohol, nicotine, I don't care what it is. Whatever the addiction is or a struggle within your spirit man that that causes you to fall back into sin. There's an addiction, there's a hole there. And your worship is tainted. And God loves you and I enough that he would send somebody, we know the somebody, New Testament is Jesus Christ. He came for one reason, to break you and I out of prison. That you and I can experience freedom like we've never experienced before. That's why you and I don't have to stay a drunk. We don't have to stay bound by addiction. But we're free through the hope of Jesus Christ and the gospel of that message we stay bound, we stay bound by our own choice. If you stay in that problem, in that situation of addictions or situations that you just can't break free from, it's because of choice. Because Calvary already paid the price. The blood is more powerful than any addiction that the enemy can perform. Cause you and I to come under. And he said, let them go. And they're breaking out and they're moving. Now watch these, and I know many of you, you're familiar with this, but I I gotta say it to lead up to where this thing is going. This was not just a random attack by Amalekites. They came out with a strong hand by God. Pharaoh's mouth was shut, broke down. He never gave in, but it broke Pharaoh down enough that God would get them out. But Pharaoh followed suit. Your enemy ain't never gonna give up. He ain't never gonna stop your past things that you struggle with. Let me tell you, you may get free here today, but that thing's going to come back a little bit later again, and it's going to knock at the door of your heart to see if it can come back in again because the enemy ain't never, never going to give up. Why? Because he recognizes where the potential is in somebody for the kingdom of God, and he recognizes the purpose of God. You think for an instance that the enemy don't know what's going on in Indian Village and Kinder and Southwest Louisiana? There's purpose in this area. There's people that need miracles in this area. And God's looking to a people in Indian village and congregations all over. I've got a potential in them and I need you to rise to the occasion and let God use you. Right. And they come out and Pharaohs on their heels and he don't give up. And one of the greatest miracles and if you ask probably anybody have you ever heard of this story they would say that the red sea was parted and they walked over on dry ground and as they crossed through the red sea the waters came back over and washed away and destroyed pharaoh now watch me corinthians i'm going to interject this because it just fits so well 1 corinthians says for we are baptized into Christ. There ain't no way that you and I can ever be crucified unless you went overseas. North America, I think it's against the law to be crucified. So how do I identify with Christ's death and burial? You identify with the burial of Christ. If you want to obey the gospel and it's command, obey the gospel. He says, for with a flaming fire of vengeance I will come against those that obey not the gospel. So if I obey the gospel, how do I do it? Corinthians gives us the example. We're baptized into Christ. Just like Moses and the people crossed through the Red Sea is what 1 Corinthians 10 says. What are you saying, Brother Benoit? Here's what I'm trying to put together for you. That when they crossed through that Red Sea, Pharaoh was... Done for, dead. His hold over the people stopped. You with me? They cross through and they get on the other side, and Miriam gets a tambourine and they praise God for victory. And now they're moving into Canaan. But let me give you a note when that Pharaoh died, another Pharaoh rose up. So, what are you saying, Brother Benoit? Here's what I'm saying. If you want the attachment of your past to forever go, you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. (sighs) Are you going to always deal with your past and the hold of Pharaoh trying to pull you back to Egypt? But when you go down in the water in the name of Jesus, you are being buried into Christ. You are identifying with the baptism and the burial of Christ for one reason, that your sins could be remitted. They could be washed away and Pharaoh's hold on you could be broken. If you need a breakthrough, take To the waters of baptism. You're not joining a church. You're just getting free. Well, I don't want to get wet. We got robes, we got towels. We can baptize you. If you want to be free, ain't nothing stopping you but air. That's it, oxygen. Take a breath and go to the waters and be baptized. But he comes out or they come out. here's the picture. Red Sea miracle. Like they had never seen before. From there they, they then go to, they start complaining about water. Being bitter. He throws in the staff. The waters begin sweet. They get water. They begin to cry out and begin to say, this is chapter 15 and 16. We're hungry because you see everything in their world was changing and their personality, behavior, life, everything that they were now is having to change with where God's trying to take them. Sometimes when God moves you into places that you're not familiar with, our flesh wants to rise up and complain and gripe and murmur. But we're really, we you don't understand. How many times did they pray in Egypt? Get me out of this mess! And God says, Okay, I got Moses coming and he's gonna lead you out. I got a man of God gonna show you the direction to go. And no sooner they get out, they forget. because when God starts bringing you to new places and things in him and relationship in him and places of dominion and authority that, that have, have plagued your family for years it's not comfortable it don't feel good and the first reaction of human behavior many times to uncomfortability is we gripe we complain we forget what it was like when we were in Egypt we forget when that taskmaster and and the bell went off, and we had to get up, and we had to go. And we forget about the time that he made it even harder. And he said, "I tell you what, you're going to have to go get your own straw now, because that man of God came in there and kind of started messing everything up." And Moses got to saying, "Let my people go, let my people go." And Pharaoh said, "I tell you what, I'm going to do. The enemy made it hard on you and I, but let me encourage somebody today. The enemy can make it as hard as he wants, but if you keep moving." forward, if you keep hungering for God, if you keep desiring things in God, the purpose is gonna meet the potential, and something's gonna break in your family and your home. Some have been settled because of human behavior. This is the way it's always gonna be, and God moves you to the bitter waters of Myron. He heals the waters. And they drink. And then they begin to complain. I'm hungry. He says, I tell you what. I'm going to give you meat. They ain't ain't no meat. Like that kind of meat. While in Egypt, quail just showed up. Talk about sportsman's paradise. Just showed up. Just throw a net on them, hit them in the head, and we're frying them by... Six o'clock. Evening time, he said, I'm gonna let quail just come. You ain't got to beg me for the food because I'm trying to get you to understand where I'm taking you. I'm gonna provide for you. I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm right here in the midst of all this with you. And the quail come and feel the land and their supper And he said, I'm not just going to leave you there because they complained. We need a little bread. Evangeline made, ain't made it round yet. So it's manna now. He said, I'm going to let this little thing come and just drop on the ground in the morning. He gave strict instructions, Brother Smith. He said, you can only take for that day. If you start hoarding it, it's going to rot. But come Saturday, I'll let you take enough for Sunday and it'll keep. I don't know about you, but that kind of stuff just amazes me at the miracle working power of God. But here's what this should tell you and I, God is a God of details. Don't ever let the enemy tell you this little thing don't matter. Jesus had to come address that when he said this. The little foxes spoil the vine. The little things do matter. What you and I do right now in this service, my mind staying focused on him. My hand being raised and saying, I believe that preacher. I'm echoing back that preacher. The little things matter whether you get the miracle at home or not. I noticed his son, of unique sister Tiffany. But here's Omo, great man of God, who he was. Aaron was his prophet. And Moses, he not only fought Pharaoh, the spiritual entity. He gets out, sister, actually find me my text. Number 17 and go with verse maybe seven. I think I started maybe five, but. Maybe six or seven, just get it up there and we'll figure it out. But notice with Pharaoh, he fought the spiritual, Sister Mary. Moses did that. I don't see wherever one time Moses blinked. Give him up, Pharaoh. Okay, don't. Whom? Locust. Whom? Anthrax. Whom? nile in the blood. Whom? One after another, Moses. Let him go. No. Ooh. Moses never blinked an eye that I found in him wavering per se he wavered in himself I can't speak but when it came to Pharaoh he delivered the message with Aaron by his side they did it so his battle was spiritual first him to spiritual Pharaoh but you notice he fought something even greater he had a stronghold to its knees but couldn't get a people to their knees I'm going to say that one more time because it's just so good it needs to be repeated he brought a stronghold to its knees Pharaoh crippled but brother Joey he could not bring the people to the knee and submit to the will of God and his battle now is trying to get a people to believe that where we're going is a great place. It's a place that God's gonna fight every battle for you. He's gonna provide for you. And they said, we're hungry. He said, okay, quails are coming. We need some bread. He said, okay, manas are coming. I don't ever see nowhere in that scripture where well, they got a bunch of scientists and took the bread, the manna, and said, send that to the lab and make sure it's gluten-free. <laughs> they didn't care. Right. Because when you're desperate and trying to move into things that matter in God, I'm gonna take whatever God gives me and I'm gonna put my heart in it. I'm gonna love him with all of my heart because it doesn't matter. It's breakfast, it's lunch, and it's supper, and God's fighting my battle. Everything's gonna be over. water you cried you got it bread you cried you got it food you cried you got it and now we're at verse chapter 17 it took me that long took me 30 minutes and they get to 17 and the Bible says they need some water again now watch I'm going to slow down because I want you to get these facts their tanks were not empty Their tanks were not empty at Meribah. They had water in the container. They were fearful of tomorrow. And they started, he called, go back a little bit more. I'm sorry, Kenzie, go back to maybe five. There's a certain thing I'll know when I see it. And the Lord said, you must go before the people take the elders of Israel, thy rod. Go back one more. The Lord cried, and Moses cried, in the saying, "What shall I? Here it is. What should I do with the people? You gave them bread. You gave them quail. They cried and asked. Nowhere did God that I find. There can maybe I didn't see it. I may have overlooked it, but I couldn't find where God blinked or God was uh, bankrupt. Y'all need bread? Here you go. You need quail? Whew, there you go. Bitter waters of my. Uh, here you go. I'm gonna make the water sweet." And there's a whole lesson inside of that. He was changing their taste buds because they were, their palate was geared to the things of Egypt. See, once you start eating in Egypt's land and Egypt's food, you start acquiring an appetite for it. Come on, folks, we call it cravings. Right now, I'm craving ball crawfish. It's a craving. Do I need it? Absolutely not. Do I want it? Yes. And my past craving saying, "Mmm, if I could eat that right. it's a cra- They had an Egypt craving. So he dropped in that water and healed it to help change the taste. You think God don't know where you and I are in the struggles? You don't think he knows the mess ups we made in the world? and the jams we got us into and the things we did that we knew we shouldn't have done walking away when we shouldn't have walked you don't think God knows all of that but he says I tell you what I'm going to do I'm going to put something in the water I'm going to send quail I'm going to send manna because I want to make sure that when the enemy comes against you at at the Amalekites you can look at that and say God just supplied my need then God's going to supply my need there there ain't no battle I can lose if I keep my faith in him He cried and said, what am I gonna do with these people? They, they're ready to stone me. They're gnashing on me, they're beating me because I brought them this far, promising them the things you told me to tell them. So here you got Moses now wrestling with himself. Next verse, here we go, Lexi. And saying, the Lord said to Moses, go before the people, take with thee the elders of Israel, thy rod, wherewith thou smote at the river. Take that same thing. See, because he's trying to tell Moses, that rod, that was the rod of God. That wasn't rod, his rod. That was God's rod. Go read it. It tells it. It now becomes, the rod of Moses becomes a rod of God. It's God's stick. It represents authority. He's saying, take the authority I put in your hand and use that authority to show the people what I'm going to do when the enemy comes against them. Remember that. Next verse. Behold, I will stand before thee upon the rock of Horror. Thou shalt smite the rock. You're gonna water's gonna come out of it. So here we go. I'm gonna bring water again. You're gonna smite it in water. It's a type and shadow of Christ. Christ is the rock. Next verse. And he called the name of the place, Manasseh, Meribah. Now here's what's happening to the people. And this is what I want you to see. They now, this is known as a place of contention. It's a known of testing. But hear it. It is not God testing the people. It is the people testing God. They just ate manna. They just ate bread. They just ate quail. They had water coming out. When he he proved to them already about the water, but now they get to another place and they begin to contend with God and test God saying, now here's what I wanna present to you. After the bread, the quail, all the miracles of the Red Sea, Pharaoh being gone. Flesh don't ever give up. Simple, I know, but I want you to see it in Scripture. And I want you to see how God, He didn't come down with a volcano, He didn't open the earth with an earthquake. He said, I'm gonna use that rod that I gave Moses, and I'm gonna show you something. And he said, you are contending with me trying to tell me that I can't provide for you. It gets better because they go even further in their contention and they tempted the Lord saying, is even his presence among us? So here's what they did. They begin to test him and say, Lord, if you're really who you say you are, then why are we going through this problem of no water when we've got water in our container? Remember that. Why test him when you got provision in your pocket? And we test the Lord, we come to services like this. Did God not heal your body, Sister Christie? Has God not blessed you financially? Has God not helped me and you in so many ways? We have water in our pocket. The danger is I got water in my pocket and the fear of tomorrow lets me forget what I got today. And I began to forget when I stood on that seat. And I was bound by this, or bound by that. And when I walked through the Red Sea, when I went to the waters of baptism, Brother Roger, my sins were washed away. And somebody says, well, that's just a formality. That's just an exercise. Well, I don't know what book they're reading, the book I read, it ain't just a formality. It's circumcision of the heart. It cuts something out of the heart that nothing else can do when you go down in the water. But here's the best part about it. When I came out circumcised of the heart, My sins were stayed in that water. I came out a free man. I came out a new man. I got something. Don't let the fear tomorrow. Because here's what you can't see. They're contending with God. And here's what it leads to. Is God even among us? When you start testing the Lord... And forgetting what you got hanging on your hip or the water or the things that God's given you and brought you out of. If you and I are not careful, we begin to forget. And here's what happens. We start questioning whether the presence of God is even real. Is God really real? Does God really heal and deliver of drug addiction? Does God really heal? I can think of countless people I prayed for and they died of cancer. Countless people I prayed with and they died of drug addiction or they died of alcohol, liver fell. Oh, I'm countless, but I can tell you of the others that I prayed for and God worked and did a miracle and they were delivered of alcohol. They were delivered of the things of the world. They were set free. Their marriages were put back together. I can go ahead and side with the negative side and say, well, God ain't never delivered or healed anybody of that. Just because you've never seen it, don't mean God can't do it. And just because you haven't experienced it, don't mean God can't do it for you. And though you maybe not have seen somebody else experience it, doesn't mean God still won't do it for you. But if somehow you can look to the heavenlies and say, God, I'm raising my hands like Moses did. And I'm saying, God, you're for me. You're going to help me. You provided for me thus far. I could be living in a tent, a box. But God, you gave me a house. You gave me a vehicle to drive. It might not be the best, but it's something that you gave me. And I thank you for the goodness of God that's on me. All right, he said the presence of the Lord is not among us. The presence is not there. So when you test God, contend with him, chide him, because he's not giving you what you want or the miracle you think you need right now. Be careful. Be careful. Next verse. Then came, notice, they're saying, Sister Claudia, the presence ain't with us. On the heels of that coming out of their mouth came the Amalekites. Could it be the battles we're facing are because of things we spoke yesterday? Death and life's in the power of the tongue. You keep speaking that death, well, I'm no good. I'm never going to get healed. It ain't never going to get better. My life, I ain't never going to have joy. I ain't never going to be like that preacher. He read that word. He gets all that stuff out of there. I read it, don't get nothing. Keep saying it. But you can flip that coin and say, I'm going to keep reading it. I'm going to keep studying it. I'm going to keep praising him. I'm going to keep worshiping him. Why? Because I want life to come out of my mouth for my family, for our church, for our community. The sooner they said it, the Amalekites rise up. You know what the word Amalekite means? Dwellers of the valley. When you test God and contend with him, pretty good shot. you setting yourself up to do a nosedive in a valley and fight something you ain't never fought before. The Amalekites, listen, this is it. These are the facts. The first battle they ever fought. Chewing on quail, buttering up the manna, and they come out from such powerful, miraculous intervention of provision to face the dwellers of the valley. And here it is many times, right before. You walk into your promise. The biggest thing you're going to fight is the flesh. You know what the Amalekites dwell in the valley, but you know who they are? They're the grandson of Esau. Hebrew says Esau was a profane man. The word profane, Micah, means he ain't got no boundaries, no restraints to what he'll do to satisfy his pleasure. That was Esau. I'm hungry, I want it now. I want pleasure, I want it now. If it feels good, I want it now. The Amalekites were a representation of unbridled flesh out of control. And he's he's trying to tell the people of God, listen, I just did all this. I just gave you miracle, 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 miracle. And now you wanna test me at the waters of Myra after all that I did? Let me show you something. He says, I'm gonna show you this. You're on a slippery slope to the Amalekites' flesh taking dominion over you. Everything I read in Jewish history, Brother Bushnell, This was an unprovoked attack. I ain't preaching today. The Amalekites, there is no record of why they did it. The boundary, you look at the geographics of this, they were no harm to the Amalekites. The Amalekites did it just because they were mean. How many times... Has attacks and battles come against me. When really, it's not really, it could have, it was something that was being proven to me that I couldn't see. The Amalekites didn't have, they were evil, pleasure seeking people that just saw pray. And the children of Israel were it. And the Bible says. They came and they fought in refridium. You know what refridium means? It means rest. That's the the topical Strong's Concordance. Go down into the deeper meaning of that word. It means to lose your grip. They sat back and relaxed. Here's what the Jews say. They let go of the word. And what God was trying to show them is you tested me, you came contentious against me but here's what I'm telling you. There's potential in you. There's potential in you. And you may have gotten to the point where you've let go of the word of God. You're in Rephidium and you've let go of the word. You've let go of your promises and you're discouraged and you're frustrated and you're angry and your kids aren't doing right and your money ain't doing right and your family's not doing right and your marriage ain't doing right and your health ain't doing right and you're letting go of the promises one by one and you're in the valley. I'm here to tell you the next verse is yours. Because when they got in the valley, God sent a man to show them the example. Next verse, let's go home. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose you out, men, go and fight with Amalekite. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill. God's got a plan that you can't see. Yeah. God's got a plan that you can't see you may be in the valley you may have let go of the promises you may even have taken the word of God and pushed it aside saying it don't really matter I'm here to declare to you as a Moses as an Aaron saying we're going to gather the elders together we're going to the top of the hill and we're going to see victory over the Amalekites because the purpose in you and I is greater than our defeat He said, I'm going to the top. I'm going to raise the rod in my hand. Next verse. So Joshua did as Moses said in him and fought with him, the Amalekites. And Moses, her and her, went to the top of the hill. Next verse. It came to pass when Moses, here it is, he gave them the example. The potential in you, you're in the valley, you're letting go. It's human behavior to get tired and weak. I've been there, Brother Wade. I've been there, Brother Bushnell, where I just, I told you, curled up in a fetal position, and just cried like a baby. And if that didn't make me a man, shame on you. But I cried, said, God, I can't take the pressure, the stress, this, that, whatever. For me, it was real. For you, it might have been just a cakewalk, but for me, it was serious. So, in my weakness, something showed up that was stronger than me. So, the children of Israel, in their weakness, no matter chewing quail, eating bread, getting all the water that they need, they still struggled. Is God with me? I'm telling somebody in the Holy Ghost today, you asked the question this week is God really in my family? Is God really working on my son? Is God really working in my daughter? Is God really working in my... Is God with me? And I'm here to declare to you just what Moses did. He said, he lifted his hands. And when he did, he lifted it up. He said, I want to go to the top of the hill that when the people are swinging their sword they can look over their shoulder and say, there's somebody that's believing in me. I'm telling you today, Jesus Christ is up on a hill and he's looking down at you in your storm and in your valley. And if you can just keep swinging the sword, I'm telling you, Jesus is for you. Heaven is behind you. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. Hey, we've all mis- made mistakes in sin. There's a remedy for that. Repent of your sins, and God will forgive you of whatever you've done, and he'll raise you back up again that your potential can meet the purpose of God and be fulfilled. <clears throat> he wouldn't let his hands down. Next verse. We're closing. Sister, Lisa just y'all, come on. Really, I'm done. And Moses' hands were heavy. Here it is. Now I know I related to Jesus Christ, but hear me. Sometimes the one that you're looking to to get you through, their hands get heavy. Their hands get heavy. Their hands get tired. And really, the antidote for it is this: believe what the Word says. He, God knew that battle was coming before they ever got there, Sister Mark and Tell. The first battle, these people are gardeners. They don't know nothing about fighting. But God once again wanted to prove, I'm not only gonna be your provision for your belly, I'm gonna show you how I beat an enemy that you can't beat. I say again to somebody, you can't beat it in your own mind. You can do whatever you want. Norman Vincent, peel, peel. Norman Vincent, I don't care what you use. Rick Warren, use them. But you hear me, there's some things that only God has reserved for himself to come down and say, I'll deal with that just for you. I love you that much. I care about you that much that what you're asking me for, I'm going to deal with it. And when Moses' hands got heavy, those elders got around him and said "Uh uh-uh this battle ain't over yet I need somebody to prop up the hands of Moses we gotta complete the mission we've gotta defeat the enemy this thing's gotta go once and for all as a preacher I say it often whether it be in the privacy of my home or other ministers it's an epidemic it's an epidemic our marriages families young people Parents not raising their kids like they should raise them. Generations are going to perpetuate themselves. And what we as parents, adults don't deal with as adults, it's coming through them kids. That's scripture. And the epidemic has sweeped across us. And I keep going to God saying, God, it's like a ship with holes in it. No sooner I plug that hole, you give me an understanding of that, something else pops up. I'm not talking about church and pastoral responsibility. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just the work of God in general. We get an understanding and we plug that hole. We get revelation of this generation and generation. You got to teach them and all this kind of stuff. But Then inevitably, there's one comes in and goes, well, I don't know if I see it quite like that. It weighs heavy on my heart like Moses. My hands get heavy, Brother Daryl. Because as a man of God, a minister of the gospel Brother Bushnell can testify to this You want to see all saved You want to see all families helped And kids have a chance Or a, a shaking chance At living for God in a right home But the fact is Folks, we're living in an hour now The home is so divided and fragmented What's the answer? I take this one scripture here This was God's battle Even with Moses raising his hands, God had to complete it. Last verse. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people. All he did was, was cause them to be weakened. He did what he could do, but God steps in. And Deuteronomy 25, I think it is, 25 and 18. You don't have to go there, Lexi. 25 and 18. Talks about what the Amalekites, what made them an enemy of God was this. The children of Israel are coming out of Egypt, all these blessings, they were not skilled in war. And the Amalekites attacked from the hindmost. Because in a procession, it was always the priest, the men going first, ladies were second, children followed suit. Men and women, ladies and babies came, but they were the hinder part. They were the innocent, most vulnerable. There were no warriors because they believed God's got my back. The Amalekites attacked the weakest part of the family, the children. Folks, you don't think we got to do something for our kids? It's now. But here's the beauty in it. When they touch the kids, Deuteronomy 25 talks about the hindermost. Here's the translation of that, Brother Roger. It's like touching the throne of God. So when these kids get attacked and wives get attacked and the the weaker components, and I don't say that in disrespect to our ladies. I believe in lady, I mean, just prayer warriors and what they do and their contribution to it all together. What I'm saying is the family. The enemy's looking for the weak, leaking in the family. Many times you'll come through them kids in their innocence and unprotection. But you need to see this. It's like attacking the throne of God. And God said, last verse, when he says... From generation to generation, I'm coming after the Amalekites. This battle is God's. The battle you and I are facing today in this world, it's God's battle. It's not ours. But if we can just learn, there's deficits in my flesh. I'm struggling in my humanity. But I tell you what, I'm going to keep the main thing like Brother Tenny would say, the main thing. Stand with me all across this building. The valley's deep. I'm losing my grip. But God steps in and says, I tell you what, I'm going to fight this battle for you. When the potential of the people met the purpose, what was God's purpose? I'm getting you into Canaan. That's His purpose. God wants you and I to make heaven. God wants our families to be blessed. It's up to us to determine, can the potential meet the purpose and we fulfill what God has. If that's you today, lift your hands all across this building. If you're here today, come on, talk to him right now. If you're here today and you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God will fill you with his spirit. You've never been baptized in Jesus' name. we got robes, we got towels, we'll baptize you in Jesus' name. You don't have to leave here. If there's a question in your mind, am I right with God? You don't have to leave here with that question. According to the scripture, when Peter said it, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That promise is to you you don't have to leave here in question come on lift your voice right now and i want if you if you're ready for the potential that god's got in your life to meet the purpose of god i want you to come meet me here in the front today this is the altar decisions are made at the altar we're making decisions today and here's my decision god i want to be on your side I want to be on your side in this god i don't want to be on the other side i don't want to be on the side that's without you or foreign from you i want you in the midst of my trouble in the midst of the problem because i can't do this in my own self my nerves are frayed my emotions are shot my mind is confused and cloudy i'm worried I'm having to take all kind of medication to calm my nerves i'm telling you today god's got a healing for that it's called the holy ghost and when god fills you with it he'll calm all of that come on lift your voice with me here today come on lift your voice ministers help me to pray find somebody to pray with Come on, lift your voice right now. I feel something moving to some people here today in this altar. You came here today because you're heavy and God's directing you. God's directing you, trying to show you. You're fighting the Amalekites. You're fighting a battle that's bigger than yours. But God sent me here this morning with a simple message. Your potential is going to meet God's purpose and something's going to change. Come on, lift your voice with me. Lift your voice with me. Come on, let it become your prayer right now. That's what an altar is. I'm laying down